So, assalamu alaikum, uh, Mufti Saab. Uh, thank you for uh, uh, taking your time out uh, for this interview. Uh, I, I think uh, what's what's uh, uh, amazing is uh, both of you, both you and myself, have grown up in Canada, and uh, and really understand our our society and uh, and upbringing in the Canadian context. And uh, please do share with. Uh, uh, the viewers and and the listeners, the, the your journey, and uh, and uh, I, I think that would be uh, very impacting for for the community to to kind of uh, see the arc of uh, the journey uh, that you've had uh, becoming a, a Muslim scholar and and really doing a lot of uh, great work from an educational standpoint as well as an engagement standpoint. Well, we could. Um... Um, we could talk about so many things. I'll try to keep it um, as relevant to uh, to this interview as possible. I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, and um, the uh, the environment was very different, I think, from uh, what it is now. At least, what our perception is of the environment now. Um, I. Uh, I went to public schools for all my uh, schooling there, and there was a mixed environment where um, we didn't have too many um, too many Muslims in in our school growing up, especially in elementary and junior high. And um, so, being from uh, Pakistani ethnicity. And being a Muslim, there were many occasions where um, it was quite difficult just to survive on the day-to-day -day basis. Um, there would be uh, a lot of um, a lot of racism. Sometimes it was veiled uh, and um, you know done in the form of uh, subtle comments, and sometimes it was. Um, outright, um, you know, being lynched, being, um, uh, um, you know, being attacked. And this happened, you know, over and over again. And sometimes it was just the racist comments and the slurs. But, um, you know, there, there was, um, there was a time when one would be inclined to feel that you know the whole world is against me, no one understands me, um, or um, it's going to be very difficult to to fit in and become part and parcel of society. And other times, um, you know, there were some there were some great moments, great friends, um, great experiences, uh, amazing teachers uh, who really uh, I felt they they. They nurtured us. They they gave us the best of what they had. So it, there were many many mixed uh, experiences and emotions. One of the things that I felt when I reached grade ten was that um, a many people in my community have uh, um, have the same problem and. Um, you know the, the the need to 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 belong, but at the same time the need for guidance and the need for uh, some direction or mentorship. Um, my my friends were never uh, exclusively Muslim, so I got to see you know what what challenges and difficulties they were going through in their lives, and um, I guess because I was. Um, active uh, in uh, in some senses uh, being a Muslim like just doing basic things like praying and, and and things like that but I found that many of my peers would come and share their uh, experiences their life stories their problems difficulties that they were going through um, irrespective of uh, whether they were Muslim or not and this was really uh, an eye-opener for me um, I found that uh, people of my generation are um, going through many, many difficulties and, and 
many problems. And these are not just your regular growing pains. There were serious issues of um, addiction in the homes, um, various types of abuse, um, and then uh, peer pressures. Uh, we grew up, uh, when we went into high school, there was a very strong uh, element of, of gangs and, um, and drugs and, um, you know, all kinds of really uh, crazy things were going on at that time. So I kind of gave myself, um, uh, I gave myself a, a short time to really collect my thoughts and then I had to reach uh, a decision. And um, I knew that I had to, if I wanted to uh, rise above this for myself and get answers for myself, uh, resolve my own confusions, I had to take um, a serious step. So for me, that serious step was to uh, move out of Edmonton and go and get a detailed education uh, in Islam, which actually it, it, came, it came about as a search for solutions, um, solutions, uh, answers, clarity on what was going on in the world around me, what was going on with me, and most importantly, uh, how do we how do we address these issues? And the intention was to uh, educate myself and then be in a position where I could help. Uh, the people of my uh, generation and also people of following generations. So that led to um, uh, a lengthy journey from, um, you know, from Alberta to Toronto um, and then spending several years there in Ontario. And then our teachers, after about five years, our teachers sent us to India for higher learning. Uh, that didn't work out at that time because of the political conditions there in India. So we then uh, went to uh, the UK where I studied for about uh, another year and a half. So a total of seven years uh, I studied and then I came back and started serving the communities there in Ontario and um, effectively teaching uh, at the school that I, um, that I had studied all these years. Um, I went on some uh, lengthy trips or tours uh, into other Muslim communities around the world. And then my, uh, my elders and mentors asked me to go to Montreal and, uh, and serve the communities there. So I, I spent about five years in, um, in Montreal. And uh, during this time, I had started a specialization in Islamic law and um, what is called uh, the, um, you know, ifta or giving giving fatwa, uh, which is a which is a religious ruling on uh, uh, on a matter. So I had been doing this for about seven eight years, and then um, I felt the need for further further research on this. So I took a year off, and I went to Pakistan to um, uh, to a major organization, a major uh, institute there, and I had a chance to do a lot of research and study and uh, practical implementation uh, in various fields and disciplines. And then um, I had, during this time, I'd also laid down the foundation of, uh, uh, of an Islamic seminary. And um, I had to basically give this a home, a permanent home, and after consultation with my with my teachers and elders, it was decided to go to uh, Vancouver. And the communities of Vancouver had been also requesting me to come down there for uh, for several years. So that's basically so the foundation of what is uh, Al Ihsan was laid in Montreal, and um, then we shifted to Vancouver, and then we stayed in Vancouver. Um, so that was. Now that takes us to 2009, 2010. During this time, um, though my mandate was uh, primarily teaching, I had gotten involved in uh, a lot of community work 
And so with the, uh, with the local organizations there in BC, um, we were able to do quite a bit of work, um, outreach work, educational work, and you know, very quickly things started getting complicated with um, the, uh, you know, with, with extremist groups like ISIS, uh, who, who sprung up and caused a lot of uh, um, a lot of chaos, uh, not just in the in the Muslim world, but um, but all around the world. So that took us very quickly into another phase of uh, our lives and our work. And and Mufti Saab, uh, you and I have known each other for about twenty years uh, uh, as friends and brothers, uh, and uh, and basically what what I really uh, got from our uh, friendship and relationship is uh, uh, you and I are both around the same age and growing up in Canada I grew up in a small town called Fort St. John which is not far from Edmonton so similar upbringing and uh, part of maybe some of the frustration you may have had is uh, growing up uh, in uh, an environment uh, where uh, particularly in Fort St. John for me was there wasn't uh, really any other Muslims or, or people of Pakistani origin as a result, feeling different, and uh, even the Islamic um, role models uh, to relate with uh, 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 the Canadian upbringing, uh, there wasn't many folks at that time, or uh, there wasn't any at all, I would say, in British Columbia. And so part of uh, getting to know you, I think back in 2000, when we met, uh, just you making that commitment uh, to uh, being an Islamic scholar and, and advancing your studies in, in, in uh, Islamic knowledge and and really, I would say the equivalent of masters and PhD in, in the, I would say the Western context in, in Islamic studies, and then making a commitment to really teach our communities, uh, the Muslim and non-Muslim communities about Islam. So again, very commendable. And I, and I think part of education and engagement is relatability. To, to speak the language, to, 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 to understand the culture and to convey in the metaphors and the explanations of the way the people from the locality and the country understand. And I think that's what I was always taken with yourself. You were able to convey uh, the Islamic uh, knowledge and uh, guidance in a manner that, at least for myself, from a Canadian upbringing could understand and, and, and could uh, implement. So I think now going forward with uh, LSON and the Educational Institute that uh, was established, there there became a, a, a large demand for a Muslim voice to, to really address, um, sadly, uh, extremists that don't speak for 99.999% uh, of Muslims, but for whatever reason, they eat up all the, the scenery and, the, and all the press and reflects badly on, on mainstream Muslims. and. And I know uh, throughout the world and throughout Canada, many uh, news organizations and, uh, and governmental organizations and law enforcement organizations uh, would seek you out uh, for official, uh, uh, from an Islamic perspective, uh, what mainstream Islamic views were on these, uh, these, uh, these uh, national and international events that, that colored a negative view. Yes. Um... It's been a very interesting journey, and um, it it's not a um, it's not an ideal position to be in where you have to explain to everyone about all the bad stuff that's going on. Uh, so that was never something that, frankly, it never interested me. It never intrigued me to. Try to justify is uh, you know Islam or try to justify the existence of Muslims. My um, my mandate uh, in my mind was to educate and to guide, um, but I got I guess I got pulled into into this area um, when uh, when the Muslim communities felt that they did not really have a voice, they did not have. Um, really good representation uh, in the mainstream. And there are many, there are many causes and many, um, you know, there are many reasons behind that. One of them is that, um, you know, all, all the 
Islamic organizations that were established, whether it was for the sake of running a, uh, a mosque or, uh, or an Islamic school or uh, anything of that nature, their mandate was not to publicize themselves. Their mandate was very much um, to do grassroots work and to just work uh, for their immediate community. And so Muslims haven't really been, up until very recently, um, most Muslim organizations had not even considered the prospect of having a media presence, presence or um, you know, having press conferences or having a spokesperson or, uh, or anything of that, uh, of that type. And um, you know, they, they were just, they were happy in, in, in doing the work that they were doing and they were, and they were doing some great work. The communities were benefiting. Um, but this was, um, uh, you know, th this was not helping the, the image of the Muslims. Uh, so on one side, the Muslims did feel the need to respond, but on the other side, um, they did not have the tools or the resources to respond. And, and frankly, they did not have the know-how of how to do this. The most that would happen is that something bad would happen around the world, and then um, the, uh, the press would, would come to a Muslim organization uh, who has no experience in media. And then they would say, you know, give us a statement. What do you say about this? Now everyone was condemning what was um, what was happening, but the I think the messages were not very well. Either they were not very well communicated, or they were not um, they were not circulated very well. Did you find that basically again um, growing up in Canada and uh, and majority of people that that aren't Muslims they they really don't necessarily. Uh, know what Muslims believe. They don't necessarily know what Muslim culture or religious practices are other than uh, certain snippets or fragments or even outright falsehoods that are reported in, in print and internet and uh, television media. And, and by yourself being, uh, being a, a scholar and a recognized Canadian scholar um, for law enforcement, for government. Um, I know we, we did a presentation for uh, the, uh, the top uh, law enforcement officials in the province of British Columbia. And uh, there were some very uh, basic questions that, that they weren't aware of, like, like uh, and even in our engagement with, uh, with other faith groups, like the, the Jewish community, the Christian community, well, one of the interesting things was uh, very little knowledge about uh, the Muslim faith or whatever was, uh, was known by uh, the, these, uh, these groups was, uh, was minimal or sometimes fabricated. So there was, again, in, in some of our engagements, uh, there was this uh, thing, uh, somehow there's a conspiracy that Muslims have to implement Sharia law or female genital mutilation. So these are things that, that for whatever reason, take, get a lot of airplay in certain circles uh, uh, online. And again, 99.999%, probably even more than that, uh, have never espoused any of this. And, and a lot of these are, 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 are inaccuracies and falsehoods that, uh, that are somehow being uh, circulated online and other media as fact. Yeah, of course, we, um, we saw a lot of that. And um, some of it was, I think it was just um, lack of exposure, that people hadn't really been exposed to Muslims in their personal lives. Uh, they hadn't really had a chance to, uh, to learn much about, um, about Islamic uh, tradition or, uh, uh, or beliefs or practices. So we got a lot of those questions. And to me, um, I, the, main, the main thing for me is that I, I was happy that at least people are asking. That's one thing. And, and the second thing was at least people have another source besides um, uh, mainstream news to get knowledge from. And though I spent quite a bit of time on the media, one of the things that I... Uh, I tried to consistently convey to people is that we go to we go to news to learn about events and incidents that are unfolding, and very often 
um, all the answers aren't there. And sometimes it's a particular uh, storyline that is being pursued. And that's what the story is because a lot of it has to do with the story. Um, the events may or may not be uh, extremely significant or they may or not be what they're being portrayed, but um, you know, the story is what's uh, really important. But um, having said that, um, we don't go to the news to learn about any, uh, any meaningful subject that, um, that we desire to uh, gain knowledge about. So uh, we don't go to the news to learn, for example, to learn science. Uh, we might uh, hear news of scientific developments in the news, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but that's not where we go to learn science. We, we don't go to the news to learn about a country. Uh, we might learn about events that are unfolding, uh, taking place in a country. It could be a political turmoil. It could be um, you know, a significant uh, milestone. It could be anything. But to learn a people and you know, a religion of all things, uh, a system of beliefs, ethics, morals, um, lifestyle that comes with it, values that come with it, to rely solely on the news would be uh, just like uh, trying to learn about you know, any country of the world only by reading the news. So I think that's what was, that's what was happening. And um, th this is, I guess, the, um, the sad reality that we were introduced to the world through the news and not through educational channels, not through schools, not through educators, and definitely not by us. We didn't really have that platform where we could introduce ourselves to the world. And that's really, in a way that's really unfortunate because it's like having you know, a neighbor that you don't uh, get along with <laughs> introduce you to the rest of the neighborhood. You know, a neighborhood that you've had a bit of a, an argument uh, with goes and, uh, and makes introductions on your behalf. Um, it's not really, it doesn't really give you a fair chance uh, to, you know, to, to present the, the image of who you really are. But with Islam Unraveled, which came about, actually, um, it came about as, um, as the need to have a more organized, uh, a more organized effort behind this, because what, what, what happened for years is that uh, I was being requested from, uh, uh, you know, from, from various organizations, uh, faith organizations, um, government uh, agencies, such as, such as the law enforcement agencies and others, and, uh, and various groups to answer questions about Islam and, uh, and give insight. And some of, the, some of the discussions were very, very intense. Um, it, it, you know, it, it could be with the, with the counterterrorism um, units within various law enforcement organizations that were asking very, very pointed and direct questions because they needed, they obviously needed a counterterrorism strategy and they needed to understand what is the thinking behind it. And um, it reached the point where uh, one, uh, one police department actually asked me to come in and uh, help them with a scenario that they were working with a hostage scenario, a, a hypothetical hostage scenario in which a Muslim has taken the citizens of that city hostage and um, uh, they are religiously motivated. Uh, and, um, you know, the question was basically, can you help us understand this person and get inside their head? What narrative is going on in their mind right now? And uh, how can we, um, you know, how can we get through to them? What do we need to say and what do we absolutely not need to say? So some of the discussions were very intense and, and, and very, very uh, focused and others would be general conversations. But uh, ultimately I felt, uh, I felt two things. One was that this needs to be done at a larger scale because um, uh, we're not able to keep up. We're not able to keep up. I'm not able to keep up with, uh, uh, with the requests and with the demands. Um, uh, and and the, it, these questions are a reflection of the questions of society. Society at large and as a whole has these questions so what can we do to address them? And the second thing, obviously, that you know, one man is not enough for this. There's only so much I can do. There's only so much uh, time I can give to this with all the other uh, 
educational commitments. And 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 just to sort of interrupt, and your educational commitments is you teach uh, more than a full time basis, almost five, six, seven days a week, uh, multiple uh, courses and classes, and all the other engagement for the general public and government and media. That's all on top of your existing workload. So it is. It, 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 as you said, there's only so much time in a day and prioritization to 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 cover all your responsibilities and and especially this area of engagement and education for the public. In addition to your educational work, it is quite a workload and quite a demand on 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 time. Yes, and aside from teaching, one of the things that I've really um, I guess applied myself to over the last uh, uh, over the last many years is is designing the education. So creating the curriculum, creating the courses, writing the course content, um, and then delivering it. So as a, you know, as a person who thinks in, um, in terms of education, um, Islam Unraveled to me was a natural education-based solution to what was going on. And so just like I, when, when I'm designing a course, uh, a workshop, uh, you know, a, a syllabus for a program. Um, I started thinking about, you know, what what are the what are the real tough questions, and uh, how do we convey the answers to those questions in a very clear way uh, that doesn't leave any ambiguity. But you know, um, we could take a few steps back and talk about what happened in 2013, 2014, when ISIS was uh, was at its peak. And, um, you know, at that time, Canada was considering uh, joining the coalition forces um, that, were, uh, that were going to attack uh, ISIS. Um, that was a very, it was a very tense time because ISIS was starting to recruit openly and they had reached out to a global audience I'm not sure how they were able to do it so successfully. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it still puzzles me of how they were able to get such, uh, such a wide reach and uh, how they were able to get um, youngsters from around the world to, to really listen to that message. People who were not even engaged with Islam, people who were not even practicing uh, in their own lives, uh, somehow they... Um, I don't know. They, they they fell for that message, and so and it was, was uh, sorry to interrupt, uh, Mufti Saab, but the radicalization likely happened online, where somehow, you know, disaffected youth in in whichever way they they may be in depression, maybe certain uh, personal or professional or family challenges or mental health issues. Mental health is probably another one where they found some sort of message online that, that spoke to them and they became self-radicalized to the point of, of uh, wanting to join some sort of extremist group. Would that, would that be maybe how some of these folks got radicalized? I think that's where all of them got radicalized. Um, there, there was no uh, in-person radicalization efforts that were ever uh, caught or um, established by law enforcement. This was, this was all happening online and the message kept getting, you know, stronger and stronger. Um, there, came a, there came a time when uh, ISIS started sending out this message that, you know, if you can't come here and join us, well, they made it look like it was some kind of a religious obligation to join them there in, um, you know, in Iraq uh, and Syria. Um, but they said that, you know, for some reason, if you can't, uh, get to us, then carry out attacks where you are. Uh, this was extremely, extremely uh, alarming and shocking for us. And um, I mean, no country should have to deal with something like this at all. And um, if if anyone is trying to present this as a uh, as some kind of a religious duty to go and hurt other people, to hurt other civilians, then that's that's like the worst. Uh, worst type of perversion of a religion that a person can manage, where you've taken, you've taken away the sanctity of of human blood and human life. You've taken it away, and you've said, "Oh well, those people, those are all 
you know, those are all now targets for you. Um, it, it would take a really twisted mindset uh, to, you know, to even just to say that to someone. Um, that's why it, it was really, uh, it, it was extremely disturbing to see that people were starting to respond. But when, um, when Canada agreed to, to join uh, the coalition and, um, uh, you know, and, and, and support it with their, um, uh, with their fighter jets and so on and so forth, uh, the moment that was approved in parliament, uh, I knew that now they are going to, ISIS is gonna intensify its efforts uh, in targeting uh, Canadian Muslims and trying to recruit Canadian Muslims. And it was, uh, you know, in my mind, it was inevitable that someone out there is going to listen to that message and uh, shed Canadian blood uh, on Canadian soil. And to me, that was like, uh, A, it was unacceptable and B, that would be like the greatest catastrophe for us as Canadians where we have to see the day where you have Canadians that are carrying out these types of ter terrorist attacks on our own soil. Um, you know, th this is our country and, and, I, and, and we have an obligation to protect it. Um, and, and I don't think you have to be part of the armed forces to stand up for your country. This is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a basic, um, you know, it's, it's a natural feeling that no, this is, you know, this is our home and this is where, this is where we've grown up and this is where our children are going, are going to grow up. And this is where millions of Muslims uh, have, you know, uh, have settled down and, and, and they're not going anywhere. We need to keep, you know, we need to keep this safe for all of us. And in, in what way um, would, you know, hurting other Canadians serve the purpose of Islam? Like it was just so bizarre. The narrative was so bizarre, but, uh, at that time, I, um, I called uh, a meeting of, um, of government officials at various levels. So at the, at the local and the, um, and the provincial and the federal level, um, I called the, the leaders of the Muslim organizations uh, and, uh, and leaders of the interfaith community and um, I presented to them a, my concerns, first of all. And I said, look, Canada has agreed to go in. And this means that ISIS is going to definitely um, increase their recruitment here. And I'm scared that, you know, if one person, you know, one um, person who is not in a good state of mind goes and carries out an attack on even one person. This is going to turn, this is going to turn brothers against brothers. It's going to turn communities uh, against communities. It's going to create an, uh, an environment of animosity. It's going to create an environment of hatred. And um, we need to do something about it. So I presented to them this, uh, this campaign that I called CAVE, uh, which stands for Campaign Against Violent Extremism. And it was a roadmap, essentially, of how we can target this, how we can beat this uh, using various, uh, various means. It was quite elaborate, and I shared it, and I, uh, I emphasized to, those, uh, to all those uh, attendees of the meeting that one thing that we don't have the luxury of is time. We do not have time. If even one life is... Uh, is taken here for these reasons, motivated by these people. It's going to it's going to come with a huge cost. It's a, it's a loss that we cannot bear. Um, this was on on a Sunday morning uh, in October 2014, and um, so unfortunate that the next day um, someone carried out. Uh, an attack uh, in Quebec against two, uh, two Canadian uh, officers, ran them over uh, with their car. And in fact, this was one of the messages of ISIS that if you can't, uh, if you can't you know, use some kind of a, an explosive, then 
use anything you can, use your vehicles, use knives, use handmade things. All of this was being circulated. Um, so that fellow decided to use a car and run over two officers. And then um, two days after that was the attack on parliament by, uh, uh, by Zihaf Bibo. Um, and um, it just, it got really, really crazy at that point. Um, it, 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 was a, it was a real mess. I think I, I see it as a really um, troublesome moment in, in the history of our country. And, and, and Mufti Saab, like, because of all this, like the, the xenophobia where um, I would say the general public that really may or may not have ever interacted with Muslims or didn't know Muslims uh, would start to have a prevailing negative view that just kept being reinforced online in, in newspapers and in media to the point where uh, I would say a lot of Muslims are obviously nobody wants to be associated with evil. Nobody wants to be associated with extremism, but Muslims with Muslim names and uh, Muslim women that would wear hijab or uh, Muslim men that uh, looked outwardly Muslim would be the, the, the subject of, uh, of racial abuse or and religious uh, uh, discrimination uh, because they had Muslims names, they were obviously Muslim. And uh, so whether it would be verbal calling, uh, I will, I'll say many context in, in elementary school, high school, university where Muslim students would be referred to as terrorists. Um, and again, you know, any kid growing up in Canada, every kid wants to belong. Every kid wants to uh, just be like everybody else and they don't wanna be discriminated or bullied. And, uh, and so as a result, this kind of uh, anti-Muslim rhetoric started happening amongst even uh, educators, uh, general, uh, like we did our, our Islam Unraveled launch, um, I think uh, in 2016 in November, and we had the BC Association of Social Workers. And uh, what one of the social workers said that, that uh, he's never experienced experienced any one group, meaning Muslims, having so much accepted uh, animosity and, and racial uh, and religious criticism just in, in common discussion amongst uh, people that aren't Muslims. And, and, and you know, it was that, that kind of uh, event that I realized, oh, I, people don't just dislike Muslims, they hate Muslims. And so part of uh, this work uh, together and the work that you've been doing for so many years is to educate and engage and really uh, uh, present the real view, the, 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 the actual view of Islam, which is positive, which is uh, uh, loving, which is uh, respectful. And, uh, and, and right now, I would say folks that have not encountered Muslims and don't know Muslims, they do have uh, very, very strong uh, or even hateful views against Islam and Muslims. Well, you see, the, the issue came about, um, and the issue that had to be addressed is, is that how do you tackle this? Um, it's not enough to say that, oh, we're not terrorists, or Islam does not promote terrorism. Um, it, it was now time to explain to people why terrorism is religiously incorrect and religiously unacceptable from an Islamic perspective. From the from the perspective of mainstream Islamic teachings, uh, from the Quran itself, from the prophetic teachings themselves, it was time to explain to people and it was time to let people know that, look, you know what? We're here to answer your questions. We're, you know, we're happy to talk to you. We're happy to, um, we're happy to engage in dialogue. Um, we would rather that you allow us to introduce ourselves than let someone else introduce us. Um, so a lot of what was being said that, you know, um, you know, Islam is a religion of peace and so on, it was no longer sufficient. Um, and, and, and the Canadian people have, um, you know, have, have the tendency to at least um, acknowledge that there may be another, uh, another side to the story. Um, you know, Canadians are great that way. They, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll have their own views and that's perfectly fine, but they will be open to the fact that, you know what, Perhaps there is another way of looking at this. Maybe uh, other people are, uh, you know, 
uh, are not seeing it the way we are, let them speak for themselves. And then we'll decide, you know, uh, which narrative we want to follow. And the moment we did that, um, the, the, the results were just, uh, they were incredible. I remember uh, in some of those sessions that we did um, at universities, at public libraries, um, uh, I had people walk in with really, really angry faces. And halfway through the program, I remember um, there, was a, there was a short 10 minute break uh, during one of the seminars and a gentleman who had just walked in, um, you know, from, uh, he was just a local resident. He, he asked me if he could speak with me. And uh, he said, look, I came in here with a lot of anger. I came in here with a lot of hate. And I was um, thinking, uh, what, what will we need to do to get rid of you people from Canada? This was my mindset. But he said, I've, uh, uh, I've been listening to you now for you know, the last half hour or 45 minutes. And it's completely changed my mindset because if, if that's not who you actually are, if that's not who you, um, if that's not what you actually think and believe, then that means that my judgment about you was, uh, you know, uh, it, it was misplaced. And, um, and he said, it was like I was in a dark room and someone just turned on the lights now. And I can actually see who you are. You're very open. You're, uh, you're answering questions. You're, uh, you're quoting directly from your texts. You're quoting things that Muslims have always upheld. Um, you know, that's, that's all we needed to see. And, and this was uh, something that we, uh, you know, that we felt over and over again. Brother Tariq, you'll remember the, um, the program we did and, um, at the TRU. Um, yeah. Uh, at, the, at the university, and uh, I mean, uh, you were there. You were one of the organizers. Uh, what did you think? What was the, what was the the feedback, and 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 what was the um, you know what was the feeling that you got uh, when when we completed our program there? Well, just to even just go back a little bit before our event. So the local Kamloops Islamic Association, uh, Brother Faisal, he what he did to prepare was he had flyers go to all the businesses. Uh, so people were aware that this program was happening. There was a, a radio spot that this program from the Muslim community for, for the people of Kamloops was, was, was going to be happening. The topic of what everyone wanted to know, what, what, are, what are Muslims views on terrorism? And, and so, so that set the stage and it was at the university. I think it was several hundred people came and, uh, and again, like you said, a lot of these engagements we've been to, uh, people come with angry faces and they come with an agenda. They come with a, a desire to criticize, a, a desire to, uh, to, 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 to point fingers. But then after uh, the, the talk that you gave and then the Q&A where people were able to, to, uh, to ask their questions, uh, I would say the vast majority, uh, and this is again, a cross section of, uh, it's a small town in Canada, in, in British Columbia, uh, that uh, several hundred people that, that uh, I would say their views were changed because there was direct engagement. They were able to hear from uh, uh, a Muslim scholar that understood Islam, was able to convey Islam in the correct manner and answer their questions in a detailed, factual way. And I think we changed a lot of people's viewpoints uh, from my perspective, from this engagement, but many of the other engagements. And uh, I just wanted to share another thing when, when the Islam Unraveled team initially came together and what you said informed, I think the, the, uh, the, the philosophy moving forward was we're not apologists. There's nothing in Islam to apologize for. It, extremists, just like the Ku Klux Klan doesn't speak for all Christians. These extremists that are somehow using the name of Muslims and Islam don't speak for Muslims. And there's nothing about Islam that we have to apologize for. So I think that informed, you know, we have nothing to hide. We're an open book and, and with yourself. And I think this is critical because you are a scholar. You understand the text. You are able to convey the text exactly what they are. Whereas I would say lay people like myself that have a, a very kind of a uh, little bit of knowledge uh, to be able to convey chapter and verse is very difficult for those that aren't uh, scholars. So I think the, the academic and education as well as the engagement coming together really, really uh, made impactful change. 
Well, I, I, I'm happy to, you know, to hear that the whole, uh, the whole idea was to, uh, was to create an impact. It was to change that one-sided narrative. It was to give Muslims a voice, but also give uh, the broader communities a chance to just, you know, have an open channel of communication. It's not, uh, it's not about disagreeing. Um, we're, not, uh, uh, we're not afraid of uh, people disagreeing. We're not afraid of people having their own views. Um, you know, that's all a part of uh, life in a, you know, in a democratic society. Everyone will always have their own views. And that's, you know, we have no discomfort in that. But the, 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 the conversations, the dialogues need to be open. Having animosity uh, uh, where, you know, a, a country becomes divided or people um, you have communities that feel isolated or polarized, or you have uh, people who feel who are being made to feel that they don't fit in society. Um, and you have people that are constantly antagonizing them. This is unacceptable. Um, I would, um, I, I would just say that, you know, if, if there's one, if there's one uh, thing that we, uh, that we should aim to achieve, it's that let people make um, or form a, a well-informed opinion on on who uh, who Muslims are and what Islam is. Um, that's it. Our job is just to inform them, and then uh, ultimately people will always form their own views. But communication, um, education, is um, it's a crucial part of that process. And engagement, you know, just you know, getting together sometimes, getting together, having a, a, an even um, you know, a, a, an informal discussion, um, just chatting, just getting to know a little bit about each other's uh, backgrounds, heritage, traditions. And you'll find that, you know, we all have the same uh, challenges. You know, those who have kids are having more or less the same challenges in respect to their, uh, to their children, similar challenges in regards to um, careers and career choices and finances and, uh, you know, and getting a home and, you um, you know, making ends meet or <clears throat> saving up for retirement or, you know, at, at that level, we're all, you know, we're all pretty much the same. We have the same priorities. We have the same challenges. Yes, our religious identities define who we are uh, in terms of morals and ethics and worldview. And um, uh, that's, a, that, that's also a part of who we are. And, um, uh, it's also a part of what makes us unique and uh, and distinct. But when we can sit down and understand each other uh, as human beings, it makes life so much uh, so much easier and so much more comfortable for for everyone. I mean, from a uh, uh, from a broader community's perspective, um, you know, from from a from a non-Muslim perspective, you know, you you wouldn't want such people in your community. Who are a threat to you? It's that simple. If if we as Muslims knew that there is a community, uh, there is a group um, that is you know out there targeting Muslims, and they and their uh, objective is to kill Muslims and hurt them in any way that they can, you know what? We wouldn't want them in our society. But if we discovered that no, that's not what people actually want. That's not what their goal is, and um, you know, these are some radicals amongst that group who are doing this, then we'll say, then we would say, okay, let's address those radicals. Let's get rid of these radicals and let's find out, you know, what, why they're like that and uh, why, why they are different from everyone else. And it just, because it makes life a lot, uh, a lot easier, a lot bearable. You know, Canada is, is always described as a beautiful cultural mosaic. Um, it's not a mosaic if all the pieces are apart. It's only a mosaic once all those beautiful colors come together and form that, uh, you know, that greater picture, that greater uh, uh, artistic depiction of, of whatever it is. Um, and that's really at, at that level, uh, Canadians cannot afford to be divided and uh, and broken up and and living with these uh, with these animosities and, and hatreds. Agreed, and and just. It, it leads up to our event coming up uh, January 29th, the memorial of uh, the Quebec City uh, shootings, where 
uh, six Canadian Muslims while, while they were doing their worship, uh, Isha prayer, and they were shot in the back uh, by uh, somebody who was radicalized online, um, white supremacist or whatever um, ideology that, that motivated uh, this person to come to a mosque with a weapon and, and shoot uh, the Muslims in the back while they were praying. So this happened in Canada. And uh, as we are Canadians, we, we know that, uh, that, uh, uh, that, that this is a, a fear that, uh, you know, Muslim women that, that ha wear hijab, uh, we know several instances where, where Muslim women have been attacked in the public because they are visibly Muslim. And so this engagement and this work uh, to, to get out there and meet uh, communities and other non-Muslim communities and government stakeholders and law enforcement is to, to hopefully change that viewpoint uh, because, again, online radicalization of people's views and, and fake news and false information about Islam and Muslims are motivating people to do real world violence and, and murder uh, against uh, Muslims. And so uh, with yourself and, and, and the rest of the team to, to kind of do our educational and engagement programs to, to at least be part of the solution, which again, everyone knows the problems, but the solutions and the implementation of the solutions is few and far between. Correct, and we know that there, uh, there are many forms, flavors, and brands of radicalization. It's not, obviously, it's not something that is exclusive to Islam. Um, uh, violent extremism is, is a threat no matter where it is. Um, you know, just think of the, uh, the Christchurch shootings uh, in New Zealand, where people were just massacred. And, um, you know, violent extremism and terrorism is a threat to whatever society it finds its way into. And, um, you know, whether it's a, whether it's a Muslim uh, attacking innocent civilians, or it's a, uh, you know, it's a non-Muslim attacking Muslims in a mosque, these are all forms of terrorism and violent extremism and, and uh, society um, should not have to deal with them. And what happened that day, uh, that evening in that in that mosque, was um, you know it, it was tragic, and I would hate I would hate for something like that to define who we are as Canadians because that's not who we are as Canadians. So just like that act um, uh, does not define Canada or Canadians. Similarly, uh, if some Muslim gets radicalized and goes and does something, uh, you know. Uh, to, to, to hurt other people, whether it's their, uh, it's their lives or it's their property or, or damages them in another way, it's not representative of Islam. It never will be. Uh, it will never represent who we are. It will never um, uh, become a part of our identity. Absolutely. And, and I think, like you said, the Canadian mosaic is, is the pieces coming together through education and engagement, breaking bread, uh, meeting one another, uh, and helping one another. And, uh, and so now January 29th, we do have our uh, virtual program. We have the uh, RCMP hate crimes team, Vancouver Police Department hate crimes team to join us to, uh, to at least have a memorial for uh, the members of our uh, Canadian Muslim community and, uh, and to really be a means to spread awareness. And, and uh, Mufti Awesome, when, when the Quebec shootings happened, the amount of love and outpouring from other Canadians that we all witnessed at the Jack Pool Plaza, where the, the Premier's office and the Mayor's office graciously lift the cauldron in memorial for the Muslims. Thousands of Canadians came with flowers, with candles, with cards, with tears in their eyes at the Vancouver Mosque, at the, uh, at the, at, at, at the Art Gallery and, and the, the Jack Pool Plaza. It, it made me proud to be a Canadian maybe be proud to be a Canadian Muslim. And, and as you were a speaker at, at those events, please share that perspective of, of that outpouring and that Canadian community coming together in solidarity with us. You know, it was, um, it's amazing how when, um, you know, when people just allow the good in themselves to show what a, what a powerful impact it makes. I mean, at that moment, we were, um, 
we were hurt. Um, we felt so vulnerable. Um, there was there was fear that you know is when is this going to happen next? Is this going to happen again in some other mosque? Um, many people became scared to um, to go to the mosque or to allow like their parents uh, or loved ones to go to mosques. Mothers were telling their children, you know, don't go, don't go. You don't know what's going to happen. It was a really dark moment for us. And in that moment for the, uh, for the communities to just reach out in, in, in that beautiful way and, and show their solidarity. And, um, you know, just what I was mentioning before that this is not who we are uh, and we will never allow these things to define us. This, what we're showing you is who we really are. It was the love, it was the, uh, I mean, there were very few of those people that you and I knew personally. Um, and, and there were very few of them who knew us personally. It was not about a, person, a personal connection or contacts. These were just people in the community in the surrounding areas who had come to show that, look, uh, we're with you in this, uh, you know, in this tragic time. Um, it was incredible. It was incredible. And when we, uh, when all of those people showed up in front of uh, the, the Jamia Mosque on West 8th, uh, and they were just standing there and, um, you know, it was, uh, it was raining and snowing and windy. And we had uh, at the beginning, uh, the first uh, it, immediately following the, uh, the attack in Quebec, we had some 600 people standing out there uh, many of them holding candles, and uh, we just invited them in, and they and they were um, they were hesitant. They were like, "Are we allowed to go into a mosque? Uh, what happens there? And uh, you know, is this okay?" And we said, "Yeah, come on in." And um, it was just amazing. You know, we were all just there, sheltering ourselves from the cold and the, and the rain and snow, and um, you know, we had a little chat with them, and it was it, it felt like, you know. It felt like, yes, we're all, you know, we're all together. That, that feeling of togetherness was amazing. And then the following week when um, uh, a much larger crowd turned out and, you know, they, you know from, from the Jamia Mosque to, uh, you know, up to downtown and then over to Jack Pool Plaza and, um, you know, the city showing its support by lighting the cauldron and um, yeah, thousands of people there with no agenda nothing but to show love and support. And, and that um, uh, sort of, uh, you know, that display of affection and care, just care for other human beings and care for your fellow citizens, um, that showed us that, yeah, we, we, can, uh, we, can, we, we, can, we can beat all of this. We can break these barriers down and we can truly live together you know, uh, harmoniously, uh, respectfully, and, and productively for ourselves and for each other. All of this is, you know, it's within reach uh, and it can be done. And uh, I can, um, you know, I can never uh, express enough gratitude to all of those people who came just to show us that they cared um, and that they were, you know, they were also hurt and they were also upset. Um, uh, it was just, it was just uh, amazing. One of the most, uh, I think, memorable, memorable moments uh, in, in, in my work in this field. Agreed. And, and the same in New Zealand. When the New Zealand attacks happened in another country, the, all, almost the same uh, type of uh, uh, outcry came again. Tears in their eyes people waiting for hours with, with candles. So it, it, it makes me proud to be a Canadian Muslim and all of us and to be part uh, and work together um, with our Canadian community to, again, educate and engage uh, to, to, to strengthen community bonds. And, and I will say uh, uh, with uh, the engagement afterwards where folks came to our mosque and then we we started doing programs at synagogues and churches for those that didn't have a chance to come out and see us and and i will say that uh, uh, highly highly uh, effective engagement uh, where the rabbis the priests they they appreciate it because you are like a counterpart like uh, they're a scholar in their faith and and you're 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 an authoritative scholar and representative of our faith and so I think that from their clergy, the leadership into their congregations, 
um, we still get uh, messages and, and friendships today uh, because uh, all those engagements happened and and it created a stronger community connection with all these uh, faith-based communities. So in closing, uh, Mufti Awesome, I know we have a, a roadmap of programs this, this coming 2021. And, uh, and we want to turn the negative into a positive with, uh, again, these memorials is, is as a way to, to show that these things happen, but we have solutions, and that is education and engagement. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I want to acknowledge the work that, um, you know, that you've been doing over the last few years uh, for Islam Unraveled. Um, it's been really uh, important and crucial having you uh, on the team and, um, you know, taking many of the initiatives, seeing things through. Um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you uh, for um, this. Abundance. I mean, and, and, and just to go back to our, our meeting 20 years ago, um, the, the community, Canada and the Muslim community requires leaders and scholars like yourself that can communicate in a way that uh, we as Canadians can understand. So again, a lot of respect. A lot of love. Thank you again, Mufti Awesome, and uh, looking forward to our next discussion. Thank you.